Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back to the Testudo Talk podcast. we got some new hosts here for you guys today. Uh, it's me, Emmett Siegel, alongside Andrew Chodis. Um, as you guys can see, Sam Oshry and Ben Dixon are not here with us. That's because, as you might have seen already, they are stepping down from their positions at TestudoTimes.com and here on the Testudo Talk podcast. So we'll be taking over for them moving forward. Uh, really excited to be here. Um, Andrew, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, really excited to be here, you know, kind of step into this new chapter of the Tocito Talk podcast and just kind of share our content and all that's going on in the Maryland sports world. Really excited to be here to do that. Right. And uh, we got another exciting announcement to make. Uh, we're very excited to be a part now of the Believe Network. We're partnering with Believe to uh, kind of expand this podcast. Uh, got familiar with it. Uh, just a wide network of podcasts. You got all sorts of teams. You got all sorts of colleges represented. Uh, and we're super excited to be their Maryland podcast. So um, if you're watching this in video format, um, well, first off, hello. Uh, second off, uh, that'll be something that we are doing moving forward. Um, we're partnering with Believe, and this will be available on all of their outlets. If you're interested in that, uh, if not, this won't change much for uh, for your listeners. Um, everything should kind of be the same for you guys, but uh, we're excited to be partnering with Believe. It should help us kind of keep this podcast growing and uh, potentially open up some pretty cool opportunities in the future. So uh, shout out to them for making that happen. Um, we're excited to be a part of what they're building. So now we'll get into the meat of this episode. Um, this is going to be Maryland football related episode, uh, NFL draft special. I think we can, can kind of call it that. Um, we'll be talking about what players from Maryland we think are going to get drafted, what players we think might be on the outside looking in. Um, we'll get into a little bit of a spring game preview. That's on Saturday. And then we'll wrap up with a little bit of men's basketball talk. Uh, there's not too much on that front, but we'll just kind of recap anything that's happened. So, um, Andrew, you want to start us off? We'll be uh, looking at some of the guys that will be uh, probably hearing their name called. Uh, this will be coming out on Wednesday, I believe. So uh, so tomorrow the draft starts. You think anyone's going to be uh, day one? Yeah, I mean, day one, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we we all look towards Deontay Banks, who's expected to be, you know, a mid-first round pick. And this is just it's a really exciting draft class for Maryland. You know, we're looking at five, maybe six players that that, that have a really good chance of, of being drafted in, in, in this year's draft, which is, you know, gonna, which could be its highest number in over a decade. So I think it's just a lot of really exciting news for Maryland for Bulford's fans um, as a program. But, you know, the draft starts Thursday, and I think a name that we – should definitely be uh, looking on hearing too is Deontay Banks. Obviously, after a great Maryland career, you know I think he can really impact somebody at the next level. You know, I mean, you you covered the team last year. You know, what did you see out of Deontay Banks, and, and what makes him such a such you know such a threat, and and how he could thrive as a first round pick? Well, coming into the year, um, Jacorian Bennett was kind of seen as that leader. Deontay Banks was coming off an injury; didn't really know what you were going to get out of him as a defensive back. Um, and we'll talk about Jacorian in a second. But Deontay Banks just has all the measurables. You know, he he had a great year. 
uh, made a lot of great plays. He had an interception. Um, I believe he was the one that blocked that extra point against Ohio State. He's the kind of guy that projects really, really well to the next level. Um, he ran a, let me, I have it up here, a 4-3-5-40, which is the fifth fastest time at the combine. Six foot, 200 or so pounds. Um, seems like most people kind of have him as a consensus top three or so defensive back in his class. And that's just because of the potential that he has um, to kind of impact at the next level. Had a great year. And he was often covering a lot of these top guys. I mean, you look at like Marvin Harrison Jr., for example, at Ohio State, like these top receivers in the country. Deontay Banks, I won't say he had his way with them, but like, you know, he he was definitely holding his own. So I think he's kind of proven that that he's kind of ready to take that next step. And then another guy that I think we should get to, uh, probably not going to be a first-round pick, but pretty amazing, the ascent that he's had of late, Jacorian Bennett. I mean, great kid. I wrote a story on him, kind of a profile story on him, uh, back in, I believe it was October or so, uh, during the season. He's a great kid, and he works so hard. So it's great to see all that payoff. Um, but he really showed out at the combine. I mean, he, he had a great college career. Um, he was leading the nation in pass breakups, I think, for his past, his last two years. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Um, definitely in his second to last year. Um, and he was one of those guys that played in the bowl game. A lot of guys kind of sit that out if they have NFL ambitions. He decided to play and it ended up helping his case. He had that game ceiling interception. And then the combine, I mean, he runs a 4-3, 40-yard dash, yeah. the second fastest time in the entire combine. Andrew, what is it about Ja'Cory and Bennett that's kind of well, jumping out to you? Yeah, well, I think, as you mentioned, his his speed is is tremendous. But what I kind of look more towards is just his kind of consistency of how, he, of how he just kind of kept such a high level of football throughout his career. You know, if you go back to the beginning of the 2021 year, you know, he leads the entire country in pass breakups. So he's been consistently doing it at a high level in the Big Ten, you know, one of the best conferences in, in, in college football. So I kind of think that, that you know, that might prove to some NFL teams that, you know, he can kind of do it against the best in college. And I think that his game, especially his speed, can really translate to, to the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And for Maryland to have two players at the same position, essentially the same position, in the same position group that are – probably going to be drafted. I think almost definitely going to be drafted. Deontay Banks, like you said, I mean, probably a first round pick or a second round pick somewhere around there. Kind of seen him anywhere from in the teens to maybe the mid thirties, somewhere around there. But regardless, I think it just kind of speaks to the talent that this past year's team had and kind of the the program that Mike Loxley is building. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you, you, you nailed it right in the head there. I think it's kind of something we've seen, you know, from coach Loxley and, in his tenure, it seems like they're not maybe they're not where they are where they need to be yet, but they've kind of stay, taken slow strides year by year by year, and you're seeing the talent pool is kind of coming into fruition and creating a program that that's kind of busting out talent every single year. And it definitely shouldn't be lost on us that Deontay Banks is a Baltimore kid, staying home, kind of making his NFL dreams come true. I think that that's that's something that they've definitely been prioritizing. Now we can look at some other guys that will. Probably have their name called, uh, maybe in the later days, maybe maybe day three or so. Um, and some more local guys. How about Jalen Duncan, uh, offensive lineman? A little bit disappointing from him this past year, I won't lie. Um, was kind of having some buzz around him about being a potential first-round pick. That obviously didn't come to fruition. Kind of seen him floating around that, honestly, anywhere from the second 
to fifth rounds, probably more so in the middle there around the third or fourth. Um, a little bit disappointing, as I said, that, you know, he, he had the year that he had, but he's got all the tools. He didn't start playing football until he was, I think, 14 or so. So he's still kind of a developmental player. Um, but yeah, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism to really make an impact at the next level. Um, and he's definitely a guy that I would look at as uh, as a potential steal, maybe in the draft as a, as a projectable guy moving forward. And then also got to mention Rakim Jarrett, another guy kind of kind of similar trajectory, local guy, uh, obviously more highly recruited than Jalen Duncan. I mean, we're talking five-star recruit, top 20 national player. The fact that he came to Maryland was, was considered a miracle at the time. Um, <laughs> and he also didn't have the best year, you know, drops were an issue. He wasn't maybe as dynamic as, people were hoping but still all the projectables um he's ran a 444 the combine um his athleticism is pretty clear it's pretty clear to see that he has that aspect of his game that'll translate to the next level so out of those two local guys probably going to be mid-round draft picks do either of them stand out to you well, I, I think if you look at the NFL as a whole, I think something we've seen in the past two, three drafts is kind of just the depth of, of, of wide receivers that, that, that have entered their name into the draft. You see guys in the second, third days that have had real success, you know, at in the NFL. And I think, you know, and I think what we've seen out of Rakeem in his, in his time at, in his time in Maryland is that, you know, he came in with, with such hype and he kind of lived up to that hype in a sense. And, you know, obviously he's, Yes, you know he has size. He has the hands. You know what? What probably was a little bit of an off year for him, but I think he's you know he was he was still he was consistently one of the best players on this Maryland team, and I I I do think he could impact you know impact the team and have a have a nice impact for them. When it comes to to, to Jalen Duncan, you know I I do remember early in the season where you know there were rumblings of him being a you know a first second round pick possibly, and then obviously kind of the entire Maryland offensive line as as a whole had a disappointing year, so it's kind of been interesting to see his uh, his draft stock fall. But I mean, I think what's what's more important, just looking at Maryland football as a whole, I just think that you know the loss that comes with him going to the draft, I think is going to be more impactful than anything else. And that's a discussion that we can also enter is just you know this is kind of the state of Maryland football heading heading into the spring game and one one of the biggest holes is that offensive line. And I think that you know his departure is 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 just it's a it's a mammoth loss for the Terps. And I think that's something that's going to be talked about for the first few weeks of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Maryland has kind of developed this reputation as a great place to go if you're a wide receiver. They've yeah. had a ton of great wide receivers come through the program. You know, everybody that comes to Maryland throws out the name Stefan Diggs, but it's even deeper than that, you know, going back even years before with guys like Darius Hayward Bay or Torrey Smith and more recently with guys like DJ Moore, et cetera. But Maryland's going to be fine at that position. Um, they got a lot of young talent at that position. But like you said, offensive line, it's a bit concerning, you know, and we'll get into that with the spring game um, preview, if you can call it that. There's not much to preview with the spring game, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But, um, yeah, Jalen Duncan's loss, definitely going to be something that you're going to have to keep an eye on to see if anyone can kind of recoup those losses. Um, I think the last player we should talk to, we should talk about, I should say, um, that has a chance to hear their name called, at least a good chance, Chad Violent. Rarely do you hear about a kicker uh, being drafted, but I mean, this guy's legit. Like Chad Ryland, probably the best Maryland kicker. I mean, what Nick Novak, probably the, the best Maryland kicker since Nick Novak. I think that, I think you could probably pretty easily uh, put that one out there. Um, yeah, late round pick, 
maybe undrafted, whatever it is, he's going to get a shot in the NFL. Um, second team, all Big Ten. Um, Lou Grozer, winner watch list. Christopher Dunn of NC State ended up winning it. But, I mean, Chad Rowland beat him in the bowl game. So, you know, just putting that out there. Um, had He made 19 of his 23 field goals, didn't miss one from under 40 yards. Was I mean, on pro day, he was bombing kicks from like 60-plus with room to spare. No pads on, but still, I mean. It's 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 pretty impressive uh, the year that Chad Ryland had and what a weapon he was for Maryland this past fall. Yeah, no, and you say that you know he he really was he really was just a, a ginormous weapon and, and a huge asset for Maryland you know last season and it's it's I think it's always great when you see kickers get drafted because you look at how many games are you know in the NFL are decided by by kickers you know so many and obviously he's shown in in his five years in college that he's you know been one of the top kickers in the nation made some huge kicks last season for Maryland and. Mock drafts do have him looking seventh round, you know, last day, maybe in an in in undrafted free agent. But I think, you know, he's definitely going to have a career in the NFL. And that's definitely exciting for see, to see for somebody who had such a tremendous impact at his position. Yeah. And also the confidence that radiates off of him is just, it's unbelievable. I mean, at, at Pro Day, he was talking to reporters about what kind of fit he was looking for in the NFL team. And he was pretty clear. He's like, I am one of the best 32 people at kicking footballs in in the world so um he, he's definitely confident in his craft and as he should be i mean he you want to talk about a guy that you're going to be missing his production i mean maryland's got a couple guys waiting in the wings at the kicker position but chad ryland is is, is an all-american caliber kicker you know top kicker in his class potentially so definitely going to hurt to lose a guy like that yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then you know it's 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 being heard that he's he's had a couple of workouts uh, with some teams. They're definitely interested. The 49ers have come out as as a possible interested party. So I'm really interested to see where where he gets selected if he does in that in that in that last day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, got there's a bunch of guys that are are gonna are gonna test the waters as well, and and I I think there's a chance that some of them might stick uh, from Maryland. That is, um, you look at. Some guys like Jacob Copeland, Dante Demas, uh, Spencer Anderson, Darrell Chami, et cetera. I mean, these guys kind of on the outside looking in on most mock drafts. You never know what a team might do actually when the draft comes along and when their pick comes along. But, you know, those guys, uh, they're going to get a chance at least. And I, I think Dante Demas is an especially interesting guy to look at. Yeah. Yeah, did, I I kind of, I kind of wanted to ask you specifically about Demas because obviously we know that he came into this in, into this past season not a hundred not a hundred percent and just as someone with the team, do you think that if that if he was a hundred percent from the onset of the season that he would have that he would have been a, a surefire draft pick this year? I think absolutely. I think, I mean, we saw how dominant he was in the five or so games that he played before he got hurt uh, in twenty twenty one. And last fall, I mean, he was out there in the first game. He was he was trying his best, but but it was clear he wasn't 100 percent until later in the year. And then when you see him kind of take that knee brace off, he's playing a pro day. His routes look pretty crisp. The size stands out. I mean, his he he is he's a tall guy for a wide receiver, and, and we know how much teams value that moving forward. Dante Demas is a, is an uber talented player. I mean, Dante Demas was the best receiver on the team, and this is a team with Rakim Jarrett on it, with uh, you know, with with a lot of other talent at the wide receiver position. Dante Demas was the best pass catcher on the team. I think I, I don't even know if I would say surefire draft pick if he didn't get hurt. I would say day one or two draft pick potentially. I mean, I, I saw his name 
before people really knew the extent of his injury. I mean, I saw his name thrown around in the first round of some of these mock drafts and obviously mock drafts don't really mean anything super early, but still, I mean, he, he, he stands out as a guy that I, I could definitely see a team taking a chance on and, and that, that chance definitely paying off for him. And then also uh, Jacob Copeland, I think is an, is an interesting one. Jacob Copeland, he's got all the measurables, didn't have much of a great season. I mean, let's just be honest. He didn't have the ball in his hands that much. Andrew, that, you yeah, and 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 I think that's it's kind of unfortunate for him because you know we know his skill, but you know he he comes into an extremely crowded wide receiver room at Maryland, and you know, and I I just I just I don't think it's kind of fair to evaluate somebody when you come in when you come into a program where he's coming in with a Raheem Jarrett, a Dante Demas, you know, where you, and then Jay Sean Jones, where you have you know already three established receivers, and it's kind of hard for somebody like that to get to get their fair share of targets. So, you know, we've seen he's had some flashes of brilliance. Um, I, I think he can, you know, maybe make some noise as an undrafted free agent. I'm just I'm not not entirely sure at this point. I just I, I think that this season just really it really hurt his draft a lot. He just he he just he didn't get the touches he needed. Yeah. And I mean if we're being honest, the chances of you really striking gold as an undrafted free agent are are not super high, even though as a later on draft pick. So you know, we'll see. We, we've seen these guys more than uh, more than most people have. And, you know, whatever team takes them, um, we've probably seen them more than them. So um, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out uh, for those guys. I think Darrell Chami's also kind of it's interesting how to look at because when he was on the field, he was so dominant and he was such a spark plug for that Maryland defense that needed a good pass rusher. He just couldn't stay on the field. and His, produ- his production kind of suffered as a result. I was talking to someone um, before one of the media availabilities recently, and he was saying how Darrell Chami will go down in his mind as one of the biggest what ifs for Maryland in the last couple of years. Just what he could have been as a player if he if he had stayed healthy, he could have really been an all Big Ten kind of guy and maybe elevated his draft stock. So, I mean, that, that's a position also that Maryland has, has desperately needed production from. Yeah, it's you know that's that's always an unfortunate thing, you know, in this in in this league is is health, right? And it, teams aren't going to take on um, in most cases teams aren't going to take a risk on you if it's been healthy, stay on the field. So that's definitely an interesting thing to see that if he does get you know take it as an, as an undrafted free agent, if he can stay healthy, just what kind of impact can he make? Absolutely. So I put out the idea yesterday of us doing a little bit of trivia on this episode. I don't know if you've got questions prepared. I've got, we've got a few. Uh, we might, we might have already accidentally answered them earlier, but, uh, but yeah, if 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 you're game, I'm game. Uh, you you want to start off? You want to ask the first question? I have a few. All right, all right. I'll I'll, I'll throw some out. Let me just pull these up real quick. All right. Here's a good one. So the the NFL draft became seven rounds. It used to be a lot more. Is this almost screwed up my trivia question because I got confused. Became seven rounds in 1994. Okay. Can you name how many players? You don't have to name the players, but how many players is the most that Maryland has ever had drafted in a single seven-round draft? And bonus points if you can get the years. Okay. Well, that that may or may not have been uh, one of my one of my trivia questions as well. Um, wow! Look at us go. Oh so wait, is, is is the is the answer 2009 with five players? It's a tie with 2009 and 2004 with five players. I thought that was interesting just because we just said five players might get drafted this year. You never know. This could be this could be kind of a, a record tying year. 
Yeah, I don't know. When I was looking at that draft, I thought Darius Hayward Bay went seventh overall. That's crazy. Yeah, unreal college player. That's wild. It's, it's Maryland just Maryland just breeds wide receivers. It's 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 really tremendous. It really is. Like for for a team that that hasn't had as much success as it would like. I mean, I guess you know, back when Ralph Friedman was coaching with Darius Hayward Bay and Torrey Smith and Vernon Davis. I mean, Vernon Davis is more of a tight end, but I mean, they, they were they were winning games then, but. It's pretty pretty remarkable the talent that they've had coming through uh, in recent years and kind of how they've turned that to the NFL. Andrew, you got a question for me? I'm I'm kind of eager to to get after it. I hope I hope we didn't have the same question again. No, 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 no. This is, I don't think they did this one. Uh, how many Maryland quarterbacks have been selected in the NFL draft, and what year was the last Maryland quarterback taken? Oh man. How many Maryland quarterbacks have been selected in the NFL draft? That's one position Maryland football does not breed in the NFL draft. But no, well, maybe maybe Talia will get his chance next year. We'll see. I'm gonna say I'm gonna throw out a number here because I don't want everyone just to be watching me think. I'm gonna throw out the number four. It is it, you are you are very very off, unfortunately. Oh yeah, it's, God. It, it, the answer is 21. What? Oh, is this dating back to like before the Super Bowl and stuff? This is dating back to not before the Super Bowl, but now, now, now I had the question. Now, 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 now I dig deeper because I had the question. But I'll, I'll in the meantime, what was the last quarterback taken? And I'll give you the year. Nineteen ninety one. Nineteen ninety one. Oh God, my my age is definitely showing here. I can I can hear all the the older Maryland fans like screaming at me. Who was the last? Who was 1991 Maryland quarterback? Is that Frank Reich? That's a, that's a great guess, actually. Wow. I would know, but it's it's Scott Zolak. Okay. Okay. I I, I I recognize the name. So, but now you've got me down 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 a rabbit hole trying to find this. Well, while you're doing that, I I can ask my next one. I think this is one that 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 you want to have. How many? And I'm I'm only including. As a coordinator and a head coach here on his side of the ball, how many first round picks has Mike Loxley coached in his career? Does that wait? Does does that include his time as a coordinator at Bama? It includes all of his time as a coordinator or head coach, but not Mm -hmm. as a position coach. Okay. And it also includes guys that he coached and then he left, but he coached them before they went into the NFL draft. Oh, and then and then the coordinator was was with Maryland. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say because Bama had a had so many. I'm gonna say twenty four. It's thirteen. It's thirteen, but eleven of those were from Bama. I, was gonna say, yeah, that's, I, I thought that there would be more. I thought that there, there would be more from Bama. That's that's why. Yeah, I mean, eleven of those are in two years. It just kind of speaks to, to to what they've built. Two of them from Illinois. So, there you go. Back to the quarterback question. It uh, it is it's from nineteen sixty four on. So just before the Super Bowl. Okay. Wow, over twenty. I'll throw it here. Look at I'll, go. I'll throw in some of the name. I'm trying to. Well, Boomer Sison and well, was well, he was round two, but still, he was he was he was one of the higher picks. That was nineteen eighty four. Frank Reich in 1985. Uh, my ears were off. So it was kind of yeah. Four quarterbacks taken in the 80s. Maryland, Maryland was 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 breeding cube QBs in in the 80s. That's a just a little bit before our time though. 
Yeah, and who and who's next after after Talia? Who knows? Talia, I think I think he might get a, like a shot in later rounds. I don't know. We'll see. That that's for next next year's uh, Testudo Talk podcast, which we might not be partaking in. Anyway, you want to talk about the spring game? I know it's not the most interesting subject, but uh, it is. There there are some things to look forward to. Um, gonna get our first look at this team since the Duke's Mayo Bowl in December. Um, different team, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of changes, uh, personnel wise. We talked about the guys that are going to the NFL, talked about briefly some of the guys that, uh, transferred in and out. Um, I'm curious before we get into the, the, the nitty gritty of the transfer talk and, and there's still a lot that can happen on that end. Is there any position group that, that maybe stands out to you that you're going to be looking at? I mean, I think that a position group that I think could be really, really, really fun to look at just to see kind of how they're able to elevate their game is the running back group. I, I think we saw, you know, some tremendous potential um, last uh, last season with with that room. Obviously, Roman Hemby. I mean, he had a tremendous season, like tremendous as a freshman. And I think if he can if he can take that next step and just be even better as a sophomore, I, th- I think he can be one of the most impactful running backs um, in the Big Ten and just be absolutely tremendous for the Terps and and it's not even just him just the running back room as a whole it's just it's just it's, it's you know it's, it's extremely deep and I think that can that can really be you know just an absolutely tremendous asset for for the Terps going in you know Antoine Littleton I just I, I'm really interested to see how they how their snaps are shared and what steps they're able to take yeah it's really interesting that everyone's stuck around in that room I mean it kind of looked like an open battle going into the season and Roman Hemby kind of took it and and ran with it no pun intended I mean, he, he had an amazing year. I think he came within a couple yards short of a thousand yards uh, as freshman. I mean, a redshirt freshman, but as a freshman, incredibly impressive. Um, Antoine Littleton sticking around, not surprising. I think he's still got a good role in this offense. And Ramon Brown is a guy that, no, no disrespect to Colby McDonald, but Ramon Brown is a guy that I'm, I'm really interested in seeing. You know, came in as a highly touted freshman last year, obviously kind of got stuck. Yeah behind a couple guys but the talent is there and the coaches always rave about him I'm interested to see what kind of role he has in this year's offense and, and see kind of if he and Roman Hemby and Antoine Littleton start to split touches a little bit more but I think what well if you if you have something because I'm going to kind of transition here well no no I I wanted to just go back to what you said about how all the guys stayed around it just to me I think that's just fascinating and I think that's a huge testament on, on to what on to what you know, Mike Lockley's kind of kind of doing to the culture there. You know, we, you look at the portal and what's happening around America, what's up, up to what, 2,000 players, something like that, that, that entered their names into the portal. And you have, you know, th- th- three players that can make impact in your, in, your running, in your running back room today where they can definitely have opportunities elsewhere outside of Hemby and Littleton. I think that's that's, that, that's a tremendous asset and really telling for, for Maryland. Well, a group that's going to kind of be really important for that running back group that perhaps hasn't had the same luck in the transfer portal the offensive line, um, you know, recently Colton Deary entered the transfer portal. Not sure if he's going to start. It seemed like it was it's kind of trending during the season, like he was a, a rising star in the program. And then it seems like he kind of might have fallen behind the depth chart. And the fact that uh, Mason Lunsford is gone as well. We talked about Jalen Duncan, you know, Mason Lunsford transferred Jalen Duncan off to the pros. They got a lot to replace there, and they they bring in some guys, uh, some kind of unproven guys. You know, they they're bringing in um, some guys from some lower levels, to kind of fill positions. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe some some guys that weren't playing as much last year. Uh, I also should mention that Jahari Branch is gone. Uh, he's going to test the pro waters. 
we'll see if he gets a shot, but, uh, but, you know, he's going to give it a go. Um, that, that, I mean, if you, if you want to have a good running attack and, it, and also if you want to have a good passing attack, I mean, potentially offensive line might be the most important position group on the field for a team like Maryland. That's going to have to play such a gauntlet of a schedule and a lot of question marks there. I'm interested to see who they kind of throw out there with the ones and, and, and who kind of gets to start at every position there. Well, I, I think, you know, you mentioned how, how Lunsford's departure, you know, it's kind of, you know, he may, may not be a starter. I don't know if, if that matters. I think when you, what we've seen just in past years is just how important depth is on that O-line. And if you if one, one player goes down, the entire O-line can fall apart. So I just think it's really – see all these guys that have had time in the program where, you know, I think it's up to two, two, three, two, three tackles that have that have now left. It just leaves – it leaves huge holes. Well, it might actually give holes to the defensive lines that they play, you know, for the upcoming season. And I think that – it's going to be really easy to see early on in the season just how much work this offensive line needs because it's been a position group that struggled really in all of its years to the Big Ten. And I think that this year it's, it's, it seems like a really, really daunting at the moment. Yeah, um, always an important group to keep an eye on with Maryland. I mean, like, like we said, Maryland never had any trouble getting the skill position, guys. Never had any trouble a wide receiver. Um, tight end looks, you know, you lose CJ, CJ Dupree, but you keep Corey Deitches, you know, we'll, we'll see – if guys like Rico Walker or Preston Howard kind of step into that CJ Dupree-esque role, um, running backs, like we said, that's a pretty deep and young group. Not really worried about that, but but the trenches, that's that's where games are won and lost, especially in the Big Ten. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that and on the defensive line as well. Um, outside of that, it's not really much to take away from the spring game. I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe. Maybe, maybe maybe we see something that really surprises us. Uh, obviously, we'll be back here next week with, with another episode kind of recapping what we saw. But, I mean, last year, Jacob Copeland was the spring game MVP, and we talked about that he didn't have a huge role in the offense. So uh, so not not sure I'm, I'm going into it with, with too much expectations, but maybe something will jump out at me. I don't know. Well, you, you know, you mentioned Copeland as a, you know, a wide receiver that transferred in. I, you know, you know, Loxley, you know, last week, you know, he mentioned some guys that have stood out. Um, you know, so far in practices, and he mentioned, you know, the transfer wide receivers so far in uh, Tyrese Chambers and Caden Prath that I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do in the spring game. I think that they have a lot of potential. Yeah, also important to see how they uh, kind of gel with Talia there and kind of build that relationship moving forward and see if they can kind of add another dimension to that offense. You got some new some new faces on the offensive coaching staff. You got Josh Gaddis calling plays, Kevin Sumlin coaching up the tight ends. I think he's technically co-offensive coordinator, but I don't know how involved he's really going to be. So yeah, going to be interesting to kind of see what their uh, what their offense looks like, both game plan wise and personnel wise. And then, you know, the defense we talked about a lot of the losses uh, in the secondary. Still got guys like Tarheeb Still. I'm interested to see what Jaquan Shepard brings. Uh, transfer from Cincinnati. Coaches have been raving about him. Other players have been raving about him, and how much of a difference maker he might be. Um, that's going to be an interesting group. Once again, we don't really know what this team is going to look like. Dante, Dante Trader won't be playing in the game. He's still with the lacrosse team. Uh, Bo Breda switched numbers. He, uh, I believe he's number two now. So Jacorian Bennett, hot seat for his number. guess he was he was biding his time. But um, I'm, I'm not expecting uh, too much to come out of this spring game. Just hoping everyone kind of stays healthy. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's, and, the, that's the most important thing it always is, is, is health, right? That's really, that's really the only thing that matters, you know, in, in, in April. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see kind of burn the, uh, the top players get. So if uh, we, we, we've hit most of the football stuff, um, kind of a quiet time outside of the draft. Um, I think we should do a quick update on men's basketball. Um, there's not 
too much going on concrete wise, but uh, I think there's a lot of speculation floating around about what could be for next season, what the roster might look like for next season. And obviously I'm talking about the big fish in the transfer portal, potentially the best transfer portal player in college basketball history. Talk about Hunter Dickinson, Michigan, all American center, DeMatha kid from Virginia. It seems like Maryland has a very good chance, but there's still a lot of other teams out there. And I don't think Hunter's made his decision yet. I know he's been on campus twice at Maryland. I know he, he he's visiting or just visited Kentucky, um, Kansas as well. I'm not totally sure what to make of this situation. Obviously, Hunter Dickinson, if he comes to Maryland, will bring a ton of buzz. And I think he would undoubtedly make the team better. The question is, does he want to come to Maryland? Because Kevin Willard and, and Mike Jones, his high school coach, they, they, they're they going all in for him. The question is, does he want to come? I think, I think what we've heard so far um it's not I don't it's not it's not more it's more of so does he want to play in the Big Ten versus does he not does he want to come to Maryland I I think that's that's been a, a struggle for him obviously it's you know transferring in conferences is always a tough thing um I think Kansas obviously provides a, a tremendous option for him a team that's championship ready now um you know the the local aspect obviously Mike Jones, Jameer Young, he has that's p- comfortable pieces that he would be able to play with. Um, from what we've heard, it definitely does seem like Maryland is 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 going to be, you know, coming down to the wire a- a- along with, you know, the Kansas and and the Kentucky. You know, Villanova is 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 is, is somewhere in there, and you know, and there's, but I just think it's I don't I don't really think anybody knows what he what he wants right now, and I don't think we're gonna find out anything until he make really makes his decision and. Obviously, if 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 he would, if he was to to come home to Maryland, he 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 would be the biggest transfer in in school history, in one of his in probably one of the biggest in the history of college basketball. And I just think it's kind of fascinating to see how his how his journey in this portal is taking because the rumor mill and you know the interactions are absolutely crazy at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of briefly discussed it, but. The idea of Hunter Dickinson coming to Maryland would be the biggest commitment in a long time. I mean, I got to think, I know you, you wrote down Diamond Stone, I would say, and, and that, that's, that's a name right there, Diamond Stone. Um, it, yeah. Um, if, if Maryland got Hunter Dickinson, I mean, the, the buzz would be unbelievable. Um, and, and it would definitely take that stay home mentality that that putting a wall up around the DMV like Kevin Willard wants to, we take that to the next level, and the team would be taken to the next level. We're talking about a top ten preseason team here. Now, like you said, I have heard and and I've and I've told you this. I, I I have heard that he has been telling some people that he doesn't really want to play in the Big Ten anymore. Now, I don't know if that means that he is anti Maryland. I would guess he's not coming to campus twice if he's anti Maryland. Just throwing that out there. He could be chilling with his with his high school coach and point guard. I'm going to guess that's not the case. I'm going to guess that, that he might be willing to make a, an exception to come play with those guys. But Kansas is definitely out there. I, I kind of look at it as a Kansas-Maryland battle from the outside. I'm not in his camp, but uh, but that's kind of where I'm at from it. 
and, and obviously, you know, the biggest thing with, with all transfers is, is NIL and you have to assume that, that he'll go wherever, wherever he can get a large sum of money. You know, we, we, we have heard that whatever Kansas is willing to offer Maryland would match that, but I think it's just, it's such, it's just such an intriguing process to see it. Kind, You know, it's, it's been so fascinating to watch it happen live and it's just, it's, it's, it's to be, to be part of, you know, kind of covering the program while it's happening. It's, it's something that's really, really cool and something really, really, really interesting. And I think that, you know, seeing one of the best players in the nation transfer, it's changing the dynamic of college basketball kind of as we know it. Um, and it's just, it's just so fascinating to see it play out. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say the biggest surprise in the whole process to me is how little of a spectacle it's become. Like you would think that Hunter Dickinson, knowing him, knowing, you know, his personality and, and what he's on the court that he would be dragging this thing out and piping it up for, you know, every bit of publicity he can get. And it kind of seems like he's keeping most things close to the vest. I mean, he's still doing his podcast. Shout out to the Twitter sleuths, by the way, for noticing the the Xfinity Center steps in the background of his podcast. I mean, so, it doesn't get much better than that in terms of investigative reporting. But yeah, uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. I think we're kind of in a holding pattern right here. So all of this has pretty much been a, a long-winded way of saying that we don't really know what he's going to do. Um, exactly. And we'll kind of keep everyone updated if we hear anything. Um, some other news around the program. Uh, Greg Manning Jr., a uh, long time. I shouldn't say super long time, but but a couple of years now. Um, he's the director of basketball operations. He's now been elevated to assistant coach role. Uh, Maryland lost two assistant coaches. They lost Tony Skin and Grant Billmeyer to head coaching jobs. You fill in one of those with Mike Jones, and then Grant Billmeyer's position gets filled in with Greg Manning Jr., guy around the program. Um, I think guy is pretty respected in-house, respected by his players. Um, kind of an, an obvious pick. I think a lot of people saw that one coming. And then also uh, Tevon Sadler. Um, he was the director of player personnel. He is off to Nichols State to be their new head coach. Um, he played there for a year, uh, graduated from there. It's interesting, this coaching tree that Kevin Willard has built in, in year one. I mean, he's had three player, three members, I should say, members of his staff already get head coaching jobs. I mean, he's, he's quickly developing one of the best uh, coaching trees in the sport. Uh, it's 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 been it's been fascinating to see and it's just you know a few months removed after a you know a really impressive season for, for Maryland obviously on their on their home floor but just what he's been able to do and kind of see his staff make the rounds and get head coaching gigs I think that's really really impressive and I think you know that might entice some some more some more you know staff staff members you know or even players through the portal see wow if this coach is able to elevate the people around him that's you know that that definitely makes this program a place to be I think that's kind of the hope. Um, for 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 Willard and, and kind of the program as a whole, but you know obviously it's a really really impressive feat for Kevin Willard and congratulations to those uh, to those three guys for them to to get head coaching gigs elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you get once you get in that head coaching world, it's uh, you know you got you got a beeline right to the top. It's once you're in, you're in, and you always take that job. Uh, so yeah, like you said, congratulations to those guys and uh, pretty impressive uh, the staff that Kevin Willard assembled in year one, and it's obviously important to keep that rolling and and get guys moving forward that can kind of match that but you know if, if you have a track record of making guys in a head coaches it's not going to be super hard to sell them um the last bit of news i think we'll get to um today we'll wrap this thing up in a minute um two transfers out of the program they found new homes hakeem hart he's going home to philadelphia to villanova um 
not too much of a surprise there. Um, and good for him, you know, going going back to his home home city. Uh, him and Dante Scott, you know, kind of came up together through the ranks and, and came to Maryland at the same time. Dante is obviously coming back to Maryland for another year. Team Hearts, uh, you know, now he's going to be a Wildcat this year. Uh, it's great for him. And then also Ike Cornish. Um, he's off to Ohio. Um, bit of a, a interesting situation with him. Came in as a four-star recruit out of Baltimore. Uh, same class as Julian Reese. Kind of looked like a potential building piece for this program moving forward. Then he got hurt his freshman year. He had to redshirt. Coaching change kind of set him back developmentally. And he didn't get too much playing time this year. Um, Kevin Willard talked a lot about how much he liked Ed Cornish, but he didn't give him too much time uh, on the court in game time. Um, and obviously a, player, a coach is not going to like bash his players um, for their practice performances. So who knows? But uh, I think it's good for him to get a fresh start there. Um, yeah, Andrew, you got anything on uh, on either of those guys? I mean, Hakeem Hart, obviously a great Maryland career, you know, kind of surprised everyone with from his recruiting process to how much of an impact he was able to make, you know, as a starter in a in a, in a great tenure at Maryland. Ike Cornish, it's something, something we, we've seen so much in college basketball over the past few, few years, you know, highly recruited guys that just, you know, maybe they don't, they, you know, that they don't get immediate impact freshman year. They can, can't get those minutes in the, in the year after or in their freshman year and they kind of find, have to find a place elsewhere. And obviously, you know, we wish Ike the best. Obviously, you know he has the skills to be a to be an impactful player, and and hopefully, he can he he can do that at Ohio. Yeah, absolutely. Always wishing all the former Maryland players the best. I think Hakeem, it's a perfect landing spot for him, and I think uh, for Ike to maybe get out of the spotlight a little bit, you know, go to the MAC, probably get uh you know a lot more time on the court. I think it's going to be good for him developmentally moving forward, and and I think both of them made a good decision. I think that's everything for today. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping uh, everyone updated at testudotimes.com with all the NFL draft buzz. Uh, we'll have a lot of spring game coverage. Anything that happens on the men's basketball front or any sport front, uh, we'll be all over it there. Um, we'll be back here again on the Testudo Talk podcast uh, next week, probably, you know, kind of recapping everything that happened with the draft, with the spring game, et cetera. Obviously, any new developments elsewhere we'll get to. Um, and, yeah, uh, thank you for everyone for uh for tuning in uh this was a lot of fun and we're looking forward me and andrew to uh keeping this thing rolling moving forward and excited for kind of a new chapter in this podcast you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.